0: i'm nate that's tony we're here to recap week 10 of the 2023 nfl season we're going to be talking about the top three things that we learned from this week so we can take that going forward what we're going to do with it for fantasy real life purposes whatever it may be try to stick to fantasy in that a little bit then we're going to be going over the top 12 players at each fantasy position so quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end. drafting our top five game winners These are plays that are game winners across the length and history of sports in honor of uh, the league record, which turned into six on Monday night football games being decided by walk-off field goals. Um, So we're going to go with that. We'll leave you with a rant or a rave banger of the week. But first, as always, Tony, what is top of mind for you?
1: Mm, Two things, Nate, two, two things. The goddamn Buffalo Bills, uh, their losses this season, Um, where they were heavily favored has cost us over 15 units in our picking winners total, the other show. And that's like, I think for me, 75 or 80% of what I've lost. It's similar for you. The other thing, can we go back uh, to week one or week two of this season um, and rescind our national Anthem deal? Anytime these (laughs) damn kids beat us in Taco? I think we're up to like five people. The whole league's going to have to sing it.
0: Yeah. So what Tony's talking about for people who are new here is, this year in our fantasy draft we drafted for the first time live in person and that was that was the rules there was going to be no call-ins unless you're an out-of-towner so those people were on video drafting live with us we weren't doing it online we had a draft board everything right putting stickers up on the board uh, one of the guys didn't show up he had the number one overall pick no communication i still haven't heard from him it's two and a half months into the football season i refunded his money because he paid and everything said hey when another way, not a thumbs up, no nothing, right? Just let it happen or whatever like that. He's in another league that I'm in too, which is kind of weird because I see him make moves. But um, so we were down a person. We had nobody here to draft. So we chose my nine-year-old daughter who was here and her friend who's 11, who is the son of another guy in the league, and let them draft a team. And in having them draft a team, we came up with the rules for it. And the rules were you, no one is allowed to help them draft. There's no guidance given to them. You got people with computers, phones, cheat sheets, everything that they're drafting with. Kids were not allowed to use any of that. And um, they went Patrick Mahomes 101 overall, right? They, My nine-year-old daughter thought she was drafting a Madden team. Um, <laughs> after I told her it was fantasy football, she said, what is that? Right? Now she loves it and she's all about it and all that kind of stuff. So is Carson, the kid that she's playing with. <clears throat> um but they did that they drafted josh jacobs and jonathan turner uh jonathan taylor at the turn they end up with iu kyle pitts deandre hopkins tyler boyd their their team is just stacked and they knew nothing uh, about three rounds into it they decided they were going to look on their phone at who are the best players in the nfl not knowing this was fantasy football and just started drafting off of that and uh, they're in contention for the playoffs, Tony. And um, what Tony's talking about specifically is I just got beat by my nine-year-old daughter this week. And that's my top of mind coming into this week because it just happened last night. I had Cortland Sutton, and I lost by less than three points last night. <clears throat> Cortland Sutton fumbles, minus two points. And on the final drive of the game, man-to-man coverage, he runs a slant up against the Bills. have a, I don't know the dude's name. I should have looked it up and been more prepared, but... The guy's just as tall as Cortland Sutton playing defensive back, who was guarding him. Cortland Sutton runs a quick slant, ball hits him right in the hands, dropped like a brick. Mm-hmm. And I lose my fantasy matchup. My daughter didn't even know <laughs> late at night because she went to bed at halftime. That's her bedtime right around halftime. Uh, when I woke her up this morning, I was like, hey, um, I'm sorry. And she's like, what are you sorry about? I won by two. She had already been awake, <laughs> checked the score, and watched the second half of the football game by the time I woke up at 6 in the morning. So, so good. I am um, not. I haven't heard the end of it yet. She's been giving me shit all day uh, about it. Um, told all her teachers and all this kind of stuff too. Yep. So um, she's living high. And I lost to a 9-year-old and an 11-year-old in fantasy football. And I'm the fifth team to do it. So... Uh, It is what it is. I'm proud of my daughter, though. It's kind of nice. We're sitting in the house and all she talks about is fantasy football and players and numbers and who's doing good, who's not doing good. And she wants to come back next year and play. She was like, hey, I'm going to get to play next year. Right. And I was like, yeah, you could play if you want. I'm pretty sure everybody would like you to have like to have you. Um, A lot of us thought we were going to have easy matchups, and now it's the fun thing as to who loses to the kids. (laughs) Um, They're motivated by money also. They're told that there's cash prizes. We told them the amounts of cash prizes there were and how they had to get them, and they're determined to take down those things. They spent their entire fab on Jerome Ford. Once Nick Chubb went down, Uh, they got got ridiculed in the Discord. Everything on Jerome Ford, that's crazy, right? And that person who said that, Uh, Has lost four in a row after starting the season undefeated and is in shambles and probably, you know, if they make the playoffs, they'll be good because they're a high scoring team. They're running into gauntlets, but um, they got a lot of crap for that. And Jerome Ford's been a staple of their team, uh, got them through the Jonathan Taylor weeks. And now they got Jonathan Taylor and it has me rethinking all of my draft strategies for next year, which we'll get into at the end of the season. Because I want to do a segment on injured players coming in or suspended players, right? um and where to draft them and how much does it really hurt your team with the landscape but let's move on what we learned from week 10 in the 2023 season and what we're going to do with it going forward Tony I got three you got three I'll let you go first
1: uh first one Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris week 10 Warren was the more explosive and elusive back that's kind of been the theme all season uh Warren went for 15 101 and a touchdown Harris also had a decent Outing for his standard, 16 for 82 and a touchdown. On the season, though, Warren is fifth in yards per carry, seventh in yards after contact, first in missed tackles force. That's a great stat. And then first in explosive run play rate. Warren's the better player. Uh, it's clear we have 10 weeks of data points. What I'm doing, if you have Warren in some kind of handcuff stash or just have him play him over Najee or, you know, flex him if he's solo. Uh, He's also one spot ahead of Harris in the running back rankings. And it's just clear he's the better back. Uh, Might also be like a sell high opportunity if your league uh, still has trades open. Najee just had one of his better games. So maybe you can dump him for, you know, a wide receiver, tight end or another back or something like that.
0: Yeah. I like these big backs when the winter comes, like that's one of my favorite things is, you know, guys who will end up starting slow, but then they end up, as the cold months come and you get into more running the football, especially in that division, in those tight games, those bigger backs tend to do really well. Like we look at when Derrick Henry typically has his biggest games or in the latter half mm-hmm. of the season. It's happened with Najee in the past as well, where at second half of the season, it gets turned on and stuff as things change. So uh, good points there. My first one's going to be Christian Kirk versus Calvin Ridley. And this goes back to draft day. And it's close to home because I have Calvin Ridley on my team and I start him because he's Calvin Ridley and he plays with Trevor Lawrence and they're going to score points and all this kind of stuff, right? But looking back on Calvin Ridley, his ADP was wide receiver 16, 35 overall. That's the 3.11, right? Uh, That is the third round 11th pick. Uh, Currently, he's the wide receiver 42, um, if you look at Christian Kirk, he was wide receiver 30 and the number 78 pick overall, which is the 6-6 uh, for where he was. And he is currently wide receiver 18. When you look at Calvin Ridley's statistics, uh, he's got five games with seven points or under. And he's only got two games of over 20 points, while Christian Kirk is a continued staple of this jacksonville jaguars offense what it has me thinking about and what i'm thinking about going forward is when new additions come into teams right and maybe they have a pedigree and stuff like that and maybe it has to do with taking a year off or something like that as well i don't really know but um we saw a year ago the connection that christian kirk and trevor lawrence had and to not value that over a guy who has talent right and i'm the guy who believes you know i talked about it in the offseason the talent of a player really doesn't matter as much in the nfl for your mid-tier guys right like obviously you're justin jefferson's your jamar chases and cooper yeah. cups and the elite of the elite right top five at a position christian mccaffrey whatever it may be yeah that's completely different <clears throat> but it, when it comes mm. to just the rest of the people um where they fit within the scheme of the offense i'm pretty big on and thinking that, hey, Calvin Ridley's coming in here, this is this, but not understanding that under this system, Christian Kirk, mm. Evan Ingram, ETN, even Zay Jones, when he's Zay not Jones. you know getting arrested and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> um, like that stuff matters so much when a team's building chemistry and then bringing in a new character into the mix, right? And maybe we're just off by assuming that a talent like Calvin Ridley and how good he is mm. Uh, physically and all that kind of stuff is going to take over being the number one. So going forward, I have a hard time trusting Calvin Ridley sitting here. I believe he, yeah, wide receiver 42 on the season. It's hard to play him as more than a flex, right? And I say more than a flex as he's he's my wide receiver four on a team, right? Or potentially Mm -hmm. wide receiver five on a team. It's hard to start him that, and it's it's like, okay, who do you start, like, uh, if Damian Pierce comes back and this Houston Texans team finds the running game? You start Damian Pierce or you start Calvin Ridley, right? Like, Damian Pierce on the Houston Texans or Calvin Ridley with Trevor Lawrence. Like, it's, it's a tough decision, um, mm-hmm. but it's tough to trust Calvin Ridley going forward to be, like, a mainstay staple of your team with as many games under seven fantasy points. That's half the season under seven and only two over 20. Well, the other ones are right around 11 to 12 or nine or something like that. So, yeah,
1: yeah, that's like a low floor, low ceiling play. So, uh, it sucks cause it, they did get off to a decent start. Uh, but he's definitely bottomed out, uh, yeah. basically the first half of the season <laughs> and then some, uh, my second one, we have been so desperate over the years to find tight ends outside of you know Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, those types, um, to be consistent fantasy, DFS, or just prop betting options. I think we have a few guys uh, we can ride into the future, uh, not in like a gross way, Nate. Uh, Sam Laporta, tight end five on the year, averaging about 14 PPR points per game. TJ Hawkinson, obviously, I think he's the tight end one right now, averaging like 14 and a half points per game. Trey McBride, he has three tight end one performances in the last five weeks, caught eight of nine targets for a buck 31 against Atlanta on Sunday. Kyler's back. We're going to speak to that later. Jake Ferguson, tight end 12 on the year, averaging about 10.4 points per game, kind of stepped right into that Dalton Schultz role and is is excelling. What I'm doing with that is starting those guys, obviously, without question, and then using them as DFS, uh, DFS options. Um, McBride and Ferguson might be the better plays, though. I think Sam Laporta and TJ Hawkinson, I think their ceilings are kind of priced in already, but definitely good options to look at for DFS. 100% good options, must starts in fantasy.
0: Yeah. The, uh, it's weird. We don't normally have tight ends scoring over 10 points a game on average. Ton of them. Ton of them. And there's a ton of them, too, right? So, um, it's, it's pretty nice. cool. It's going to make it different. It's going to make, I think it's going to make a big difference when we draft come next year. For right? sure. Right. Like there, I think there's going to still be people who are big on getting the one, two, and then just have a big drop off. And I don't think it's going to be like that anymore. Right. Either people are no. going to shove all these guys all the way up, or they're all going to drop because why are we, why are we going to go get a Travis Kelsey at number, you know, in the first round, like he's been for a couple years. Mm-hmm when you can go get like like my dude and your dude now, um Dalton Schultz, right? Dalton Schultz is playing really well and Bobby Slow's yes. offense runs the tight end dragging, shadowing the quarterback as he goes and as teams start to sack back and guard a lot of those deeper passes off the scramble drills, you're gonna see that dude getting a lot more. And you've seen him get in the end zone here a couple times in recent oh, yeah. games. Uh the one I'm interested in, and I'll get to that. I I'll just jump into that right now. It was my third one, but it was gonna be the Cardinals tied in uh Trey McBride. Um And it's more so of a looking back at the draft season too, because it's not so much Trey McBride, it was the Zach Ertz piece. Because Zach Ertz mm-hmm. was doing the same stuff when he was healthy and then he got hurt. Zach Ertz is looking like he's gonna come back fairly soon. I don't know if they're gonna bump him in or Trey McBride. Right. But um, with Josh Dobbs, we're seeing that when Josh Dobbs loves the tight end, like TJ Hawkinson is, you know, just blew up the last two weeks too, having him. Yeah. And uh, some of that to do with Justin Jefferson being out and, you know, Addison being banged up or Osborne being out and all that kind of different stuff happening with that with that team. But um, Josh Dobbs loves him. So it's like, hey, what's going to happen when Kyler Murray comes in and then Trey McBride has his best game of the entire season? And then you have to think about, and this is what's bugging me too, is uh, you got Jonathan Gannon as the head coach. And where did he come from? Philadelphia. And who's the Philadelphia tight ends that we love? Zach Ertz. We've loved Zach Ertz forever in Philadelphia. We've loved Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia, right? Like Mm -hmm. those dudes are staples at the tight end position where you're like, hey, you're in that you know, sixth round or something like that, go grab that dude because you know what your floor is going to be. You're going to be around 10 points a game. And then you get yep. a touchdown it's icing on the cake. And it's just translated to the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm kicking myself in the ass because I should have had these dudes way before. I have them in a lot of leagues mm-hmm. or whatever. I picked them up a lot earlier when stackers went down and stuff like that. But, <clears throat> um, but to have those guys early on, because then you wouldn't, I wouldn't have been wasting my time with, you know, Drafting Evan Ingram in the eighth when I could get Zach Ertz in like the thirteenth round or whatever, right? For right. For free, at the yeah. For free, I think I got him off waivers after like a week or two, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like you get these guys for free. That's not going to be like that next year, but it would have been something nice to get that, you know, yeah. that back end running back or something like that that was in that area. So, um, but yeah, Trey McBride, you're going to start that dude every single week. He's gonna he's gonna win people leagues. But we have to look out for when Zach Ertz comes back and does he get into the mix or do they just roll with Trey McBride because that's the future and they really need to see what they got and whether or not they're going to draft a quarterback or stay with Kyler going forward, even though I believe Kyler gets paid a buttload of money. But, you know, Kyler could be a good trade candidate for a team. So
1: Could be. Uh, next one here for me. Uh, injuries, they sometimes derail a team season. Um, this is getting into things we are we just talking about, but uh, what's often overlooked is when players return from injury, especially at the quarterback position. High-profile quarterbacks coming off injury, uh, they can provide a pretty substantial boost, and we saw that this weekend with Kyler's return to Arizona. My pick here is Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. The team kind of stalled uh, a little bit with Josh Dobbs uh, after a few weeks, and the tune was just, you know, an unmitigated disaster. Kyler, though, he's able to navigate the pocket. He's able to scramble. He can hit targets better than Dobbs or Tune. And I think the defense just has to respect the running game more. Uh, and the offense just looks a lot more potent. Couple that with the bad defense the Cardinals have. And I feel like, as always, that's just a fantasy or a recipe, sorry, for fantasy success. What I'm doing, going to move the floors up for the aforementioned Trey McBride, Hollywood Brown, James Conner, kind of move those up as long as Kyler's starting. Also, add Kyler if he's still out there. He should have been picked up the last couple weeks with his imminent return. Uh, I'd also keep an eye out on rookie Michael Wilson. Mm -hmm. Looks like he has redraft value, um, but if he's not rostered in Dynasty for some ungodly reason, go pick him up. Please pick him up.
0: Michael Wilson popped off the page in preseason pretty early, but then with the Kyler not going to be playing and stuff like that. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to play right away anyways, but yeah. Um. But it was like, okay, but this guy's here. And then as the season unfolded, unfolded a little bit, you're like, okay, he's not really in the mix. But Kyler will throw it to the wide receiver position a lot more than Dobbs did. So um, Michael Wilson is very interesting going forward, uh, especially playing in the NFC West. So um, oh, yeah. the only team you got to be concerned about really is the 49ers. The Seahawks are on their downturn as they always do near the end of the year. So, um, yeah, Uh, my last one is going to be uh, going back, you know, the last few episodes we've been talking about this Indianapolis Colts offense and their running game with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss still getting run. Um, That's done. Zach Moss does not get carries anymore. He had two opportunities. They were two rushing um, attempts last week, and Mm -hmm. he didn't score. Uh, fantasy points for us And uh, he was In the mix for catching some passes Out of the backfield Jonathan Taylor's taken over that whole role Thought maybe mm-hmm. there would be a little bit of a split Here there is no split with this Team going forward Jonathan Taylor Is fresh because he didn't play for four weeks um, And they got a Buy so the dude's going to be good to go I don't mm-hmm. foresee them In a close game they didn't use both backs So I don't understand why They would do it going forward Um, they did use Zach Moss a little bit before in some situations like two minute drill. And when they were down in passing situations and stuff like that, he's not even on the field. So, um, Mm -hmm. Zach Moss, he's droppable unless you have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, if you have Jonathan Taylor, just keep him on your roster because if Jonathan Taylor gets hurt, we know what Zach Moss is going to do in this offense and you want a piece of that. But at this point, you're just waiting on a Jonathan Taylor Injury to be able to use a guy uh, Not worth your while Go secure your own backfield Or a position of need For your upcoming bye weeks Drop Zach Moss Agreed Moving on So we are 10 weeks into the NFL season And Our preconceived notions of What players should be where With rankings and all that kind of stuff That we do prior And how we assess players And where they're going to be all that stuff goes out the window week one, um, and it's gone out the window the entire year. But we're going to go over the top 12 at every position for fantasy relevance on the offensive side. We don't play defenses here. We don't play kickers. I play IDP. Tony, I don't think you play IDP leagues. Uh, but nah. we're not going to touch on the defensive side of the ball. But we're going to go over the top 12. And, Tony, what I want you to do, what I, what I kind of want to hear your thoughts on is – one of these players to stay within the top 12 because we're going to hear names that are like, Oh my God, you know? And uh, one that we expect to drop out or that you expect to drop out, right? What's going to stay. What's not going to stay kind of looking for a weird name out of these. And there's plenty of them. So we'll start with the quarterback position. I'll go from one to 12. So we got even after last night's bad performance, you got Josh Allen at one Jalen hurts, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson at four. Number five. The audience doesn't know this name because it sounds weird. Sam Howell is number five. <laughs> uh then at six, we got Dak Prescott, who's at seven. CJ Stroud, a rookie quarterback. Uh crazy what that dude's doing. Number eight. Um, uh, geez, if start the season, this guy, he's probably 30 quarterback 36 out of 32. Josh Dobbs. Number nine, you got Patrick Mahomes, ten to a for Aloha, eleven, Brock Purdy, and number twelve. Jared Goff, one to stay one to go.
1: Yeah. You notice some names missing there. Uh, as the season progresses, we're going to get guys like Joe Burrow, probably Russell Wilson, and maybe even Justin Fields should play this weekend. We'll see back inside the top 12. So we have to make room. That's what we're doing here. Um, the guy I have staying, Nate, the first one is Josh Allen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening guys. The show's
1: over. Uh, a player I have staying in, where I'm not taking you know that low hanging fruit. I did have one where I took some low hanging fruit. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably gonna agree, but for quarterback staying inside the top twelve, I have Dobbs. I think he's staying in. Um, yeah. He has a job for the remainder of the season. Uh, Minnesota's six and four, which is insane. They started zero and three. They've won five straight games. They're two games back and they still have two games against the division leader, uh, Lions. He's averaging 18 fantasy points per game. He gets Justin Jefferson added to that Minnesota offense as early as this coming weekend. And as is the case with many of these quarterbacks inside the top 12, he has a rushing floor, 40, 50, 60 yards a game. He'll add a score here and there. So that's gonna prop him up. He's already well with, inside the top 12. I believe he's staying. Nice. What Do you about want my of- leaving as well? Yeah, what about the drop? Okay, out? I'll give you, sure. Uh, so this was tough for quarterback, trying to kick one of these guys out. Uh, I I settled, you're not going to like this one. I settled with Jared Goff. Uh, I have nothing against the Detroit offense, but they are establishing the run with Gibbs now and Monty. Both those guys are going. So I feel like they don't need Jared Goff to throw for 300 yards a game. They don't need him to throw for three touchdowns. They have other options. And then the kind of the opposite of guys like Fields, guys like Lamar, uh, guys like Dobbs is Jared Goff gets nothing on the ground. He's a zero for any type of rushing value. So that's just going to push him down naturally. And, yeah, he's already in the bubble, so maybe this is low-hanging fruit as well. But I have Goff exiting the top 12 as the season progresses.
0: You know, the crazy thing about Jared Goff is looking at the rest of their season, they only have one more outdoor game, which is wild because there's, what, seven more games? So they play the Bears yeah. at home, Packers at home, at the Saints indoor, but then they play at the Bears, which whatever, they're going to blow that team out. The home against the Broncos at the Vikings at the Cowboys home against the Vikings. So Jared Goff gets, you know, six of his last seven to be indoor, which is pretty wild, but I yeah. agree there too. So
1: most of those games though, he's not going to need to do much. Like I think they're going to smoke the bears without having to throw for 250, 300 yards.
0: Yeah. It's just be too easy on the ground. Yeah. It's <laughs> weird to see, you know, it's, you would think that Tua would be way, way higher up, up the charts, but he's sitting at 10 right now. A lot of that's, touchdowns right they run the hell out of the ball they're 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 a running team um so it's kind of weird to see all that flash and dazzle and what Tyreek Hill's doing from his standpoint Mm -hmm. as a wide receiver and Tua to be down there um but yeah I agree um I think Brock Purdy could drop out but he's also a guy who could easily stay within it too as long as the offense stays healthy so Mm -hmm. uh running back number one we got cmc obviously i don't know the difference between him and most but it is outrageous how many more points i i forget <laughs> what i i had the number earlier and i didn't write it down but i mean it's a whole nother position like like a, it's like 40 something percent more points um moster at number two travis etn three josh jacobs at four uh which wild because they had such a slow start alvin Kamara at five uh, the number six, who's the number six? Brian Robinson, not B. John Robinson, Brian Robinson from the Washington Commanders, who throw the ball 45 times a game. That's crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. Kenneth Walker at seven. Number eight, you know, people, people are going to hype this guy up after, but it's it's such a bad thing that this guy's in the top 12. And it's Rashad White. He was like a fantasy darling in the preseason. The only thing that's keeping him there is the dude's caught like four passes that go for like 60-something yards and a touchdown. Mm -hmm. And the rest of his production is absolute dog shit. He can't run the ball to save his life. Uh, Number nine, uh, this is a fun one, Tony, because everybody's mad at what's happening here and this coach, and they don't utilize this guy. B. Sean Robinson, he's the – Running back nine on the season. And then you got DeAndre Swift after his fast start. Uh, number 11, the aforementioned Zach Moss. And 12, another guy everybody's pissed off about because he doesn't get utilized like he's supposed to, and that's Jameer Gibbs. So running back landscape is wild. Yeah. You hear names in there, or you don't hear names, that are people would assume are the best running backs in the NFL. Um, who are you keeping in the top 12 and who you have dropping out?
1: Uh, staying in the top 12, Bijan John Robinson. Uh, he's good enough to deserve touches. He hasn't been getting the volume that we all think he should. And he's still inside the top 10. It's pretty crazy. Uh, the public and the press, I think they have and will put enough pressure on Arthur Smith to at least keep his workload as it is, though we saw last week it did increase a, a tick. So he's staying. Uh, as far as leaving, I have Zach Moss. Jonathan Taylor's back, so it's a volume issue. I think he played, you mentioned like he had two touches. He played eight or nine snaps this past yeah. week. That's not going to get it done. Uh, it's low-hanging fruit, but it's it needs to be said. Um, he should yeah. not be inside the top 12, yeah. and he's going to leave it
0: very soon. Yeah. I can see Rashad White coming out, too, right? Okay, As, you know, Javante is coming on. I think he takes a spot out of that top 12 as well. Catching passes out of the backfield. They're running the ball well in Denver now. He's yep. getting goal line touches and everything like that. Um B. Robinson. Most usage that he's had all season. 23 touches. What happens? Atlanta Falcons lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Um <laughs> maybe they need to give here the ball. So
1: Oh God. Don't start. Funny
0: thing, Tony. Um <laughs> we play in a League together, right? And I don't know if you've been noticing what's been going on with my team. Move my team to Rio. Or the Rio de Janeiro dragons. So no more Atlanta Falcons, but Bijan Robinson got hurt in like week two. So I've been using Tyler Algier. He's the leading rusher in the league, both touchdowns, MVP candidate. I get Bijan back next week. Uh, and oh, I don't I know what to do it. because I got to give hey, My guy's been carrying the tote, you know, and helping out the team. I got to play out And he's like a, you know, superstar level of, you know, upgrade ability. Yeah. T- touches
1: or touches are earned. You're not going to earn touches on the pine.
0: Yep. Don't get hurt. Um you do lose your job to injury in my league. So wide receivers we got Tyreek Hill, number two, Keenan Allen three, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, Stefan Dish, Jamar Chase at six, Amon Ross seven. Number eight, Jesus Christ, this guy. He, I thought he I thought he retired. It's Adam Thielen with the Carolina Panthers, who have no sense of a passing game whatsoever, which is wild. The good you just catches ten passes a game. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. Uh number nine, an offense that nobody thinks is any good, and that's DJ Moore with the Chicago Bears. Number 10, Puka Nokua. And he's still holding on to a spot there. Number eleven, Michael Pittman Jr. And number 12, Mike Evans. One to stay, one to go.
1: Staying inside the top 12. I have Michael Pittman Jr., he's second in the league in targets. Colts defense stinks. You've mentioned that ad nauseam, uh, and Minshew funnels just about everything to him. I know Josh Down- uh, Downs gets some work, but almost everything else goes to Michael Pittman Jr. So I see him staying inside the top 12 for the rest of the season. Nice. Uh, for leaving, uh, maybe this is low-hanging fruit again, I don't know. Puka Nakua, uh no Matt Stafford, or at least not a Matt Stafford at 100%. He might give it a, a go this coming Sunday, but I don't think he'll play the rest of the year, uh, or at least the you know every game remaining on the schedule. Cooper cup is obviously back. That hurts him. Uh, he did build a pretty nice cushion because cup wasn't there early this season. He started the season on IR, so he missed four games, I think, but it's going to be a volume issue and without Stafford or without Stafford at hundred percent, it's going to be an efficiency issue for Puka Nakua. That's going to bump him outside the top 12. He's like Moss. He built like such a massive cushion and he's been able to kind of, you know, uh, stay inside the top 12 here because of that these last few weeks.
0: Yeah. I think I agree. The DJ Moore one's kind of tricky because you don't know what that's going to look like going forward. If Justin Fields comes back, right. But um, yeah, but the bears are going to be down in a lot of games. So good to see Keaton Allen all the way up there at number two. Um, Maybe we should just factor in that. Mike Williams is going to get hurt every year. And (laughs) with that being said, then we just draft Keaton Allen in the first round because the guy's going to get, 10 to 12, you know, catches a game and 17 targets because yeah. that's all they end up having. So, um, and Mike Evans, it's nice to see Mike Evans in the top 12. We talked about him in the preseason when we did our rankings and stuff like that. Oh, hell yeah. On dude. how, how we were so much higher on Mike Evans than the field. <laughs> we're like, we were like, I, I forget. I believe we were like somewhere between 13 and 15, like consensus. We said, with, we said
1: high end. And High-end wide receiver, too.
0: Yeah, with a legitimate yeah. no wide receiver, one upside. So, um, Pat's on back for that. Pat's on back for that. Shout-out to Mike Evans, defying all odds. So
1: He's well on his way to another 1,000-yard season.
0: It's so terrible, though, because they had that damn uh, – <laughs> he had that drop in the end zone. Oh, um, yeah. Or whatever like that. It was so bad. And then I think they ended up getting stopped at, like, the one after that. And – he had like two touchdowns that were like right there and didn't capitalize this last week. He'd probably be like number eight, take it over Adam Thielen's white ass. So, <laughs> uh, but we'll move on to the tight end position. So number one, TJ Hawkinson, number two, Travis Kelsey, three, Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta at four, five potent passing attack in Chicago. Cole commit. Number six is George Kittle. Uh, Number seven, we mentioned him earlier. That's Dalton Schultz. We had him pretty damn high uh, in the offseason. I don't know if it was both of us. I know I was for sure. I, I think we were it. both in that top 12 for him and stuff like that. Evan Ingram at eight. Jake Ferguson, nine. One of our look you know, look ahead, you know, keep on the radar, tight ends in that preseason talk. Dallas Goddard at 10. And that's after being injured. Now Logan Thomas, 11. And... The best tight end in the land of the southeast conference in atlanta johnu smith who's staying who's going
1: uh staying inside the top 12 i have jake ferguson you know not taking any low-hanging fruit here i think he's staying he stepped right in you know with Dalton schultz leaving kind of picked up where schultz left off again we mentioned where he's at on the year averaging over 10 ppr points per game i like him a lot the dallas offense is pretty functional right now. I feel like they started out pretty incompetent, uh, got some easy wins, but the offense seemed to struggle early on. I feel like they're in a good spot right now. So Ferguson, CD Lem, those guys are going to continue to feast and that'll keep them inside the top 12 for leaving the top 12. I have Logan Thomas. I think he's played well so far, but you have guys like Trey McBride, Dalton, Kincaid, uh, Probably at some point, both of the Falcons tight ends might push for a tight end one spot. And I think he's just going to be the odd man out. Uh, Logan Thomas is as McLaurin, uh, improves his stat line, you know, week by week, uh, Jahan Dotson, there's been Jahan Dotson sightings these last few weeks, uh, Curtis Samuels coming back. So those targets are just going to be dispersed amongst those guys. Uh, Deami Brown, he's been getting a lot of look from Sam. I think they were like college teammates or something. So
0: yeah, Logan Thomas I have is leading the top 12. Yeah. That was a hard one to think about because Logan Thomas, like, you got a quarterback who throws the ball 45 times a game. A lot, right? yeah. Like, you're going to have tons of opportunities and stuff like that, but they they involve everybody there. So, uh, it's just whether or not the touchdowns are going to come, and I think those other guys have better t- touchdown upside. All right, yeah. let's move on to a draft, Tony. Six games this last week, game-winning walk-off plays, field goals to be exact finished by last night's we're recording this on Tuesday night last night's debacle of 12 men on the field for a game losing field goal to win it to lose it to win it to nobody knows what to call that the Denver Broncos wide right 12 men on the field re-kick it win the game in Buffalo on the road Russ is cooking in honor of that we're going to draft our top five game winners of all time would you like to go first or would you like to go second
1: I think I want to go first. Okay. I think I want to go first. Because I think this picking, is probably one of your
0: it, it's one of them, but you're not going to I'm not it's not my number one or okay. two. It might be. It might be. No.
1: It, it might be. This is involved one of my favorite players of all time in this sport. Mm. Um Nate, I'm asking you to imagine. Just imagine being down 102 to 101 in overtime Fuck in the you. NCAA tournament with two seconds left. One of my favorite basketball players of all time, Grant Hill, inbounds the ball, just chucks it. Christian Laettner grabs it, dribbles once, fakes right, turns left, turnaround jumper, drills the shot to give Duke the W. Electric. Electric, probably the best game winner on this list. I know you had this on your list. That's why I wanted to grab it. Yeah. But I was, I was a huge Grant Hill fan, and this is probably one of the first times I kind of saw him. So,
0: Yeah, that was a good one. That was going to be... So I lied. I thought you were going somewhere else. So I thought you were going to the world of baseball. But I do have uh, some
1: baseball stuff for sure. Christian
0: Leitner. That one was so good. And especially because at that time it was like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina like all uh, the all the blue blood schools, right? And all that kind of stuff. And Christian Lehner was just hated by everybody. Classic white guy at Duke who's a hooper who just rubs it in <laughs> people's faces because he's so good. He paved the way for J.J. Reddick, Grayson Allen, Duke, great, right? And and now Duke's getting these badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got they got Cooper Flag who committed. Uh, I don't know if you watch high school basketball or whatever, but uh, the high school he went to last night they played uh, a game, their opener, and they won by ninety. Cooper Flag doing, <laughs> he's doing Smoke, in pregame man. warmups between the legs, dunks and stuff like that, warming yeah. up. He's nasty, um, going to Duke so. Um, Christian Laettner what a trailblazer Um, you ever been somewhere where you felt so out of place Tony like you're just like yeah I I should be I may be allowed to be here or I got invited and I'm just uncomfortable you ever been to something like that? that was was Christian Laettner because he was in college on the dream team like Christian Laettner was on the dream team dude it's crazy because he's not on any of the cards from the 91-92 hoops like dream team sets yeah because he was in college so he couldn't do it because of ncaa he could not be on a card or anything like that so uh christian leitner on the dream team fun fact for you and trivia uh going forward so uh didn't see hardly any minutes my number one is going to be the kick six iron bowl 2013 nick saban one second to go Attempts a 50-something, 60-something-yard field goal. Almost a 60-yard field goal to win the game against Auburn. And Chris Davis returns it. Catches the ball. Returns it. 109 yards for a touchdown to win the Iron Bowl in Auburn. To beat Alabama, I will take the kick six from the Iron Bowl as my number one. God, that was crazy.
1: That was crazy. that might as well have been like an eighty
0: yard field goal. Why that was
1: nuts that they even tried that. Well the crazy. And I think he part, had like the blocking. He had like the blocking unit on as well. Yeah. So, so he like had like if the, you didn't make that, you're not gonna catch the guy, right? The, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just had
0: all the beef to stop a block kick, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. Which is probably the right call. It's just a very long field goal for the guy that they had. Um yeah. but uh this one, um, I'm putting it in here because it is One of my favorite basketball players of all time Um, because he was short. Do you uh, have any knowledge of who I'm talking about? Tony, we're going back to 1995, second round of the NCAA tournament. UCLA, Tyus Edney, buzzer beater. So it's one of those plays where it's like because it worked, it, it worked. Okay, it counts. Don't ever do that again. Uh, <laughs> um, really, they were – he hits this crazy shot to end the game. He should have passed it. Didn't pass it. It goes in. They move on in the tournament, 1995. If he misses it, everybody's like, this guy's an idiot. He should have passed the ball and not have been a ball hog. But um, mm-hmm. it worked. You see UCLA moves on. Ty said he was one of my favorite basketball players of all time because he was short. And I had season tickets to the Sacramento Kings in '97, and Ty Cedney was on the team. Bobby Hurley was also on the team at that time. After he got hit by a car, so he didn't play at all. Um, but he got a bad car accident, and it really fucked up his whole career. It never became NBA good. But Ty Cedney was really short. War number five for the Sacramento Kings. I had his jersey. It was my favorite jersey. I still have it up in my closet back home at my parents' house and stuff like that. So, yes. Ty Cedney, nineteen ninety five second round NCAA tournament buzzer beater.
1: I think all that Kings team was missing was Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> <laughs> it is so they, crazy. Like these guys are only and, a couple inches shorter than us, but on TV against normal NBA, yeah, like six, a, the six ten guys, the seven footers, like they look like midgets.
0: It's crazy. even like, like I always bring this up. Cause I got to see the Sixers and Knicks play last year or last Christmas yeah. or whatever. And James Harden, he doesn't look that big. That dude is a colossal monster like what what you see of those greek statues like uh you know when you look at pictures of you know greece and rome mm-hmm. and all these that area and these statues they make of people and they just look like massive giants and stuff like that's literally yeah. james harden like his waist ass air, thigh area is like wider than our shoulders like wider bigger than anybody that we know you know and stuff like mm-hmm. that and it's it's so wild how big those dudes are yet how athletic they are and how small they look compared to the field. So, for sure, yeah, you Not got bad.
1: Two. I, I dig the UCLA uh, throwback there. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, my next one imagine for a moment you're in the World Series, it's the bottom of the ninth, you're down one hall of fame pitcher, Dennis Eckers Eckersley. He's on the mound, you're pinch hitting because you have two injured knee, you got two broken legs. <laughs> Imagine the dude at the plate hitting a walk-off home run in that scenario. That's exactly what Kirk Gibson did. Taking mm. Kirk Gibson's walk-off home run here with my second pick.
0: That was All so right. good, too, because it was game one of the World Series. and um, Tone setter. I think they just had – didn't they just have the earthquake like the year before? Or was that the year, earthquake the year after? I forget. But Dennis Eckersley was just straight-up unhittable. And then that, like, weird sidearm shit and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And no one could hit that dude and put the team on his back, (laughs) though. Greg
1: Jennings. (laughs) Broken fucking leg. So good. All right. Third pick. Uh, Imagine Nate for a moment. It's game five of the Western Conference semifinals. You're down one to the Spurs. There's .4 seconds left on the clock. .4. Point Less than half a second left on the clock. Gary Payton inbounds the ball to Derek Fisher. Fisher sinks it, sealing the Lakers' win. 0. 0.4 seconds left. I think this was the year after the Spurs bounced them from the playoffs and won their championship, too. So this is like the year they got a little bit of revenge, though they did lose. Uh, they went on losing later, but incredible. I don't think I've ever seen anyone drill a shot with less time left. Yeah, Huge game winner. Yeah, that was... Mm.
0: He's Dumb. left-handed. It's it crazy. Too. It doesn't make any sense.
1: He's a lefty, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. <clears throat> so it looks completely ugly. Uh, my oh, number yeah, two sure. or my number three. Uh, I doesn't need any any intro or anything. But imagine you're trying to finish a ball game and the entire band runs on the damn field as you're trying to return oh, all That's the funny. way to the end zone for a touchdown to win. We're going Stanford Cal uh, band <laughs> game. That was one of the best. Uh, let's just see. I am going to go with my fourth one being Cordell Stewart's Hail Mary over Michigan in Ann Arbor. Dang. I fucking hate everything about the entire <laughs> state of Michigan. I hate there's nothing good about Michigan. I can't name one <clears throat> thing. Uh um, Could you Jim Harbaugh this week came out and said he think, you know, what a Michigan's America's team whatever like that. he believes Michigan's America's team, right? You know, back against the wall type of stuff. But you're always going to prevail and you're going to play good Mm -hmm. and you work hard and, you know, nothing can stop you from reaching your goals and all this kind of stuff. I think that signifies America. The two worst franchises, I'll say franchise with Michigan too because college athletics is business. But basically the Dallas Cowboys and Michigan Wolverines want to call themselves America's team. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, Shout out to Cordell Stewart for uh, throwing this gem of a pass to beat Michigan at (laughs) on the road in Michigan. So I will take that.
1: We've already settled it. The Dodgers are America's team. They've played on both coasts, so they've covered more ground. They have a bigger, wider fan base than any other team we've labeled uh, incorrectly America's Mm -hmm. team.
0: And they're going to be Japan's team soon, so
1: it's cool, too. One way way or another. We're getting Shohei or that other stud coming from Japan. I forget his name. Uh, All right, Nate, imagine one more time with me here. You're the Lakers, and you're down two. (laughs) You know where this is going. In game four of the Western Conference Finals against the Kings, there's 10 seconds left. Kobe drives. He misses. Shaq rebounds. Shoots. He misses. I think Vlade... Uh, yes, that's the it's ball to the three-point line. <laughs> Robert Ory gets it, shoots a three, Lakers win, and they tied the series at two. The Kings could have gone up 3-1 if Vlade just rebounds the ball or taps it, you know, to one of his guys. But incredible. And then Robert Ori, like probably one of the most clutch mm. players across all the sports, just mm. sinks that three to give the Lakers a W. Save that series for them for sure. Mm. <laughs>
0: fucking hate that game so much it hurts so bad
1: <laughs> all right uh final one here for me yeah, th- yeah. i think final one yeah uh l- listener nate doesn't want to imagine with me uh again
0: <laughs> you're literally just picking everything against my teams <laughs> i swear to god if you do the bush push you're never coming on this show again
1: <laughs> i was this close to it doing still that. haunts me So this is like a memory. This is going back to a memory for me. I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to (laughs) twist the dagger even further. Uh, This is probably like my very first introduction to what clutch was or what a game winner was. Uh, Basketball was one of the first things I watched like in the 90s. But listener, imagine for a moment, it's the 1998 NBA Finals. It's game six, the Bulls versus the Jazz. Utah, they're up one, less than 20 seconds to go. Jordan inbounds the ball, drives on Byron Russell, one of the league's you know best lockdown defenders. He gives Russell just the slightest, just a little tap, tap on the leg. Pulls up. Russell goes <laughs> flying past him, and Jordan drills the game-winning bucket from about twenty feet out. It's like his classic shot. Yeah. Um, but that was like my first, like just both eyes paying attention to the game, knowing what was going on. Game winner, and it was incredible. It wasn't even a bull. So it was a neutral fan, right? I was a Lakers fan, so very, very cool. That was a push. That was a legal play. This is a little tap. Little t- and he had his hand back, so the refs, they didn't even realize what was going on, and he just pushed. Just a little slight push.
0: Yeah. Imagine, Tony. Let's do a little imagination here for you, okay? Okay. Imagine. I'm imagine it's 2001, okay? Right after Y2K. This is right after Y2K, <laughs> right? Uh, something else also happened in 2001. As well, that was really big for our country here, the greatest country on planet Earth. Uh, if you're not from the United States of America and you're watching this, sorry. Uh, we live in the best country on planet Earth. Uh, please subscribe and hit like and leave a comment. Uh, <laughs> um, The New York Yankees are in the World Series and it is Game 7 and they're playing the... <laughs> the fucking Miami marlins no arizona diamondbacks it's the arizona diamondbacks, diamondbacks yeah arizona diamondbacks you you're sitting there you got two outs bottom of the ninth you're up one Mario Novera. inter sandman's on the, on the mound he throws one pitch a cutter nobody can hit it the greatest closer of all time the greatest overall pitcher of all time the greatest era of all time number one in every category Phenomenal autograph. If you don't know Mariano Rivera's autograph, to this day, it's one of the sexiest autographs you can see on a sports card. Full name, complete, perfect cursive, and everything like that. It's amazing. You're left handed. You look kind of goofy. People call you Gonzo, not because your last name's Gonzalez, but because you got a big schnoz, too. You're on the Arizona Diamondbacks. You're not supposed to be here. And then you poke one into right field for a walk off win against the New York Yankees after 9 11. This is in October, right? October, November. So mm-hmm. this, this World Series means everything to New York. Nope. Shove it right in New York. Go back. Clean up some debris. The Arizona Diamondbacks, World Series champions, game seven, two outs, bottom of the ninth, Luis Gonzalez, walk-off hit, Mariano Rivera. And just like the Miami Marlins did after they won themselves a World Series, sell the team right after it and never win another meaningful game until never 22. forget. Never 22 years later, never, never forget. Never, never forget, forget Luis Gonzalez. You have any honorable mentions? Uh,
1: I had one other one uh, as an emergency one here. Yeah, just one other one. Um, this was Lakers. This was post Shaq. Uh, basically, Lakers dragon Smush Parker and freaking Kwame. Tiny hand, <laughs> Wayne Henry hands, Kwame Brown to the playoffs. Uh, the Lakers were down two, eight seconds left. Suns have the ball. The Lakers steal the ball from MVP Steve Nash. Uh, I think that was actually Parker. Kobe drives, hits a floater to tie it up, and then hits the game winner, um, and they took a three-one series lead over nice. the Suns, who were a very, very good team at the time. And the Lakers, they were, besides Kobe, they were pretty, pretty much trash.
0: Yeah, yep. I had some other. Most of mine were on your list, um, so I will go with that. Tony, to recap, my handwriting's terrible for this because there's a lot to figure out. But you got Christian Laettner. Uh, half court shot over Kentucky, pass from Grant Hill. You got the World Series game one, Kirk Gibson shot her around the world. We'll call that the shot her around the world, not the one from the Giants over the Dodgers. Uh, 1988 World Series game one off Dennis Eckersley. Game five, Western Conference final, Derek Fisher uh, hits the shot over the Spurs. Lakers game four, Western Conference finals down two. Vladimir Dvox doesn't rebound a ball he decides to tap it <laughs> to the guy who hits more clutch shots than anybody in those situations and robert dory has more rings than michael jordan greatest player of all time not named yeah robert parish um and number five you have the 1998 game six jordan push off play against the utah jazz um it's a tap tap yeah, off just a tap off just a little tappy tap tap just the tap i have the iron bowl Kick six as one of them. I have Tyus Edney 1995 second round NCAA buzzer beater NCAA tournament buzzer beater. I got the Stanford band play Uh, Cordell Stewart bombing a Hail Mary beating Michigan in Ann Arbor. Fuck those guys. Um, And I have Luis Gonzalez walk off off Mariano Rivera game seven World Series. Those are like that's like a play man where, you know, as kids, I don't. I don't know how many kids do this anymore. Maybe it's because we live in like suburbia life and kids don't do that stuff outside as much anymore. I guess you would say, right? It's, hmm. I don't know. Like I'm not outside that much anyways, but you know, growing up, you're playing ball out in the street. Every time you had a basketball and you're just playing by yourself, it's always five, four, three, two. And you go to shoot it. Right. And you say one. And even if it bricks one, one, what you got the ball and you hit it, you just wanted a game winner, right? Yeah. Anything that you did was like last play, championship game, times yeah. ticking down, right? So uh those walk-off hits and stuff that's and then you hit the beat the buzzer beater or you hit that home run or something like that. Whatever you did in those in those situations, you always just celebrate and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> ah, ah. Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony, <laughs> Tony. You're just like in the middle of the street by yourself playing with a basketball hoop that's on the corner or something like that. So yeah. fun stuff. So let us know in the comments in what your favorite uh, walk-off game winner is or whatever we missed or what you think about the ones that we talked about. So uh, if you're also a Sacramento Kings fan, definitely bash Tony for dragging us through the mud and having this of pain. Just glad you didn't use a bush push. That still brings trauma to me. So. Um, Matt Liner has a... A YouTube short, TikTok, whatever you want to call A short form video, vertical video mm-hmm. of him walking into Notre Dame Stadium yeah. last week. Uh, he was doing some press stuff because I think Notre Dame plays on Fox one of these days going forward. But he's wearing his USC Letterman jacket or whatever, right? And he's like, you ever been to a place where you've never lost? or Stuff like that. And I, fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> I want to punch you right in your fucking face. So... Matt Liner, if you're watching this, I want to punch you in the face.
1: He is. He's a huge fan.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Matt Liner, for subscribing. Please like the video (laughs) and share it it with your friends. (laughs) Let's move on to rants and raves. Tony, before we get out of here, you got anything to rant or rave about?
1: I am going to rave. Um, I'm going to rave about how awesome our nation's youth are, at least here in the Springs within our kids' school district. Uh, we celebrated Veterans Day this past Friday at our kids' elementary school. Um, they invited vets and active duty members to come in and parade or just kind of walk through the halls, um, and give high fives to kids or just be celebrated, I guess, or thanked for our service. Uh, well, as we were walking, uh, it kind of just started as hooray, yay, thank you, and then the kids unprompted, because my wife works at this school, she said, We did not tell the kids to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started a chant, Nate. Yeah. u s a u and it lasted for like U-S-A. the entire U-S-A. time I walked around the building. It had yeah. already started by the time I got in the halls. Uh they were into it, man. And I've never wanted to like run into battle more in my life coming out of <laughs> those hallways. It was pretty, it was pretty surreal. Kids it's- are kids are awesome. They are into it. They're all slapping the hands. It was fun. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's I felt really weird in that moment because I don't think, you know, I don't think either one of us really, right, is like um, and a lot of our friends who have done mm-hmm. this line of work or whatever um, or are still doing it like care for the acknowledgement of what you do for a living, right? It's just like, yeah, it's you know, it's just my job or whatever yeah. like that, right? And I think a lot of people who have served or anything like that. Um, it's just like it feels really awkward when someone says thank you or something like that. And it's like, man, I, we spent six months building a rubber band ball to throw at each other's nuts. Right? Like (laughs) you should see the shit we do. Right. But it is a different line of work where you understand that, Hey, you may um, lose your life, you know, defending what you think is the right thing to defend. So, um, uh, and to protect, protect our way of life. But I, I felt so claustrophobic and like awkward because all this was happening and it was so loud and you want to just like kind of smile because it's kind of awesome to see like how much pride youth has especially at that age um for you know what our nation stands for and stuff like that but i felt so uncomfortable walking through those halls like being a focal point of everybody else like standing there for you right and everything like that Uh, their little concert they do after is pretty cool the fifth grade does a bunch of songs and they put on a whole performance show to speak about america and all that kind of stuff is cool but um yeah really awkward and I, I didn't see you there i think you were behind i got there pretty early so i was near the front yeah. and um i saw like when it was over you sent me a text like oh, i just want to go to battle <laughs> like, and it was when we were like walking through the kids and stuff like that but but it was really cool um they were handing yeah. out a bunch of papers and stuff like that too and drawings they did and Talking about what they loved about the United States and all <laughs> uh, kinds yeah, of stuff, yeah. right? And
1: um, I, I got a good one. Uh, mine said, "Good, good luck with the war."
0: <laughs> <laughs> mine had okay. mine. I'm uh, I. Mine had Russians. It said it wrote they weren't the real Russians with a circle and an X through it, and it was red, white, and blue, and That's said right. USA all over it. I was like, "What is happening here?" Like. I don't That's know right. what these kids know, but, um, yeah, our area is a big military community. We have a lot yep. of, I think five, five, five bases in total, five bases within a 30 mile, a 30 minute radius of each other. Yeah. Right. Um, in Colorado Springs. So it's a big military community, um, in the corridor in which we live in has, is fairly close to a couple of them. So, mm-hmm. uh, it was cool. Uh, I'm also going to bring up something for veterans day too. Um, and You know, there's a lot of companies and businesses and stuff that put on sales and there's a lot of restaurants that free meal for you and your family type of stuff. Right. And that's all good and well or whatever like that. But I want to talk about a company. I posted a link into our discord and our group chat or whatever like that. And this company's kind of help me with a bunch of stuff personally, too. But uh, I want to give a a rave, a shout out to Ramsey Solutions, uh, the head person of the company, Dave Ramsey they put out their financial peace university, which is just walks through seven baby steps to financial freedom and to build wealth. So you can live and give like nobody else, um, and save and for your future and your kids future and how to manage money without debt and stuff like that. And get out of that system of, um, where businesses prey on your failure to make a profit. Um, that's my own little jab in there on why I hate credit. But um, yeah. But they put out their Financial Peace University for veterans for free over the weekend. So over – I think it was from Thursday till Monday. If you are active duty or a veteran, you can get the program for free. Um, yep. So I shared it with a couple of people. A couple of people reached out and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to check this out. Like, tell me about it or whatever like that. And um, I think it's a really good thing. Um, it's how I live my life without all that kind of stuff. And I have a lot more peace and less stress when it comes to my money. And uh, economic times are weird. They are they can be hard for a lot of people, um, but uh, I believe firmly because I've done it myself as a single father who raises two kids by himself. Granted, I do get some child support, but um, helps with daycare and that's about it. So, yeah. um, but I paid off $69,000 in nine months. And I was not making $69,000. I did not have 69 extra $1,000 in my budget uh, from my primary job or anything like that. But well worth it. I remember you and your wife, Tony, were the first people I told. I forget what I did. I went over for something to your house or something like that. And um, I just said a number. And your wife looked at me like, what? And I was like, that's how much I just paid off. It's been nine months. And thank because you guys helped me you know that first couple months when i got here and stuff like that so i wanted to share that with you um so that you guys know that you didn't just help out some bozo who's acting reckless now or anything like that and your time was worthwhile but uh shout out to those guys uh helping out people and doing good work and offering that yeah, for I, free I, that actually supports people's lives and their families going forward as well and not just for one day so
1: yeah i think we do some. i think this is a ramsey thing we do the envelope budget thing yeah stuff like however much you want to allocate to eating out or groceries or gas like we stuff them at the beginning of every pay period or month and then once that envelope's empty that's that's it that's that's when we stop eating out or going to movies whatever it may be yeah i think that's a ramsey thing we started a long time ago so i can't really remember
0: yeah yeah they do like envelope system and stuff and just helps you because you feel they've done a bunch of studies not them personally but like actual doctors and psychiatrists and mental health experts and stuff on like what's how certain ways of spending activate certain pain centers of your brain so for you to use a credit card it doesn't activate the same uh, pain sensors as using handheld cash right like you don't feel it as much right the less friction you have in spending which is why everybody wants less friction from a corporate standpoint because people spend more in that instance. Right. Uh, you don't feel it as much, right. You feel it when you get a bill, but then it's kind of like off to the side or whatever, but when money's actually coming yeah. out of your bank. So they recommend hey, when you start out, um, you know, budgeting or, you know, and all this kind of stuff, say you got 600 bucks for the month for groceries, for you and your family stuff, an envelope for 600 bucks. Yeah. And that's what you take to the, that's what you take to the grocery store. You're going to go four times a month, once a week, take 150 bucks. Yep. And uh, when you get up to the, leave your cards and stuff at home. So when you get up to the cashier and if it gets over, you know, 149 something and you got your last thing there whatever it is, right? Uh, you got to put something back, man, because you just don't have cash, right? And it kind of yeah. teaches you to manage your money a little bit better. But um, yep. I'm a big fan of all their work that they do there. It's very... Uh, practical for anybody. It's logical. And then you learn a lot about how the systems are built and how marketing works to, you know, uh, keep people where they are, I guess you would say. So, um, but I also have a link that I'm going to put down into the show notes. So if anybody wants there, I have a link for it, you to use it for free as well too. So you can sign up. There you go. It'll guarantee you access to the full course, all of their audio books and their premier premium package of their budgeting app every dollar where you can connect it to your actual bank account as well so you can budget out and then what it'll do is it'll track all your transactions so as your transaction clears through your bank and your debit card it'll load up in there and then you got to allocate it somewhere right and it kind of forces you to see where you're spending i posted a picture on my twitter tony i don't know if you saw this but um i was going through my budget stuff and i was allocating all my expenses for the last like two weeks or whatever and um I have a category that says things we don't need and i literally budget zero for it right and kind of just comes out of the savings category but um two months two weeks in the month and i had like uh 970 something dollars in this shit we don't need thing right and and then you're looking at all the transactions just like restaurants right 90 bucks or 100 bucks i like tipping so a lot of times it's Mm -hmm. just me and the kids i'll just double my bill right whatever it's a Here's a $40 tip or something. Thanks for taking care Mm of us. Um, And uh, so it's like, boom, 80 bucks here, 30 bucks here, 40 bucks here, or, you know, Uber eats 50 bucks because of all the fees and all that kind of stuff. And they don't even deliver your happy meal. That happened the other night when it sucked because my six-year-old didn't have chicken nuggets. Uh, Dang. It it sucked because me and Layla had actual full meals and she didn't get one. (laughs) So she ate my fries and I made her some fish sticks, but she liked it, but... Um, you know, you just look at how much you spend and it's like, man, it's two weeks into the month and I'm already at like, I didn't need to do any of this. So what else could you do with this cash? Right. Yeah. Especially if you're paying off debt or you got creditors calling you and stuff. So I believe in that the app is really good. Um, I prefer to use it on a computer. I think it makes it more businesslike and you have to really focus because <laughs> the phone can have all kinds of distractions. Yeah, notifications um, and whatnot. But it's one of the best budgeting apps out there. They have whole paycheck planning stuff so you can put in what your – when do you get paid, when is your rent due, and all this kind of stuff. And it will tell you how much money you need to to roll over mm-hmm. from the last month to yeah. not, go, not go in the negative in your bank account essentially, right? So if you're struggling with that kind of stuff, it helps you out with that. Uh, there's nine lessons in the thing. They're just videos you can watch online. You put it on your TV. Put your kids to bed. Watch it with you and your spouse or something like that. If you if you want to check it out, um, I highly recommend it. It's it's worked wonders for my life, and it's not like a get rich scheme. And it you'd be like, oh, it's this, okay, um, don't go out and eat, you know, basic stuff. Don't spend money you don't have. Live on less than you make, and pay your bills. So um, hopefully other people find that valuable. But it'll be linked down in the show notes, so you can get cool. that for free too. There's a church out there that, um, provides it for free and they pay for everybody who signs up. So it's kind of cool. So, oh, anything else for the audience before we get out of here, Tony?
1: One thing Thanksgiving is fast approaching. Uh, just got our Turkey, uh, mm-hmm. for the holiday. If you haven't bought one yet, go to Costco. It's like a dollar a pound. We got it. We got it there for like 13 or 14 bucks. It's incredible. It's like a third of the price from, you know, other stores. So mm-hmm. if you got a Costco close to you, you got a membership, go get your Turkey from Costco.
0: Nice. Shout out to Costco. Shout out to Costco. My mom just got a Costco like like from here to – like from our houses away from each other, less than a mile away from her house or whatever like that. Yeah. I think she got a membership. I'm just waiting for her to add me to it because I use her Sam's Club, but it takes me 25 minutes either way to either Sam's Club in the Springs. So um, looking forward to uh, that. Dad, if you're listening, (laughs) tell mom to get me a Costco card.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a spot to take your kids. It's like a buck 50 still for a hot dog. All we beef hot that dog and a drink.
0: We did that last Friday. We went to Sam's Club because we need to get groceries and stuff like that. So yeah. we got out of school and came home, used the restroom, and then go went up to Sam's Club and we ate dinner. Uh we got dinner and dessert for a family of three. A drink, you know, a hot dog, slice of pizza, and yeah. a dessert, and we paid $9 it's for crazy. a family of three. And it's crazy. Layla was like, bruh why are we going to Texas roadhouse? We could just eat here for nine bucks. Yes. You know, why do we go to red Robin? I'm like, yeah, like we should just come here. Like, We can get whatever we want.
1: The large pizza is a good deal too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're like eight bucks or something. And they're fucking huge. Yeah. Suck it little Caesars. (laughs) Anyways, if you're still here, thank you for, uh, being with us this week hopefully you found some entertainment some joy some knowledge out of this um a lot of what we're trying to do is just learn ourselves Uh, i think that's that's a better way than i like learning more i'm addicted to learning rather than being someone who gives out advice all the time and stuff right and share my perspectives not necessarily trying to be the guru or nothing like that but um it's fun for us so um be sure to subscribe if you're on YouTube. Follow if you're on podcast platform. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody who won't like it. Share it with someone who will like it. Maybe they know somebody who will like it. Share it with your dads. Dads love YouTube and podcasts on YouTube. It is a proven fact. It's statistically modeled Science. with our follower count also. so And leave us a review. Comment down below what you want to, see, want to hear from us. Like we literally just, hey, there's a, that's a good idea or something like that. We see somebody yeah. talking about it or someone writes in a comment. Or review there's some people who wrote some responses to Q&A and Spotify so thank you guys and that's where I get some of these ideas from for us to plug into the show so uh, thanks for doing that be sure to hit the like button subscribe on YouTube and share to your socials uh, banger of the week I was gonna do a opening topic about the New York Jets and how I think the problem if we if you've watched the Jets and actually watch football football Or if you just play Madden, you know that the Jets' offensive play calling is terrible. They're literally trying to run verticals against cover-four coverage in the final minutes of the game when they have 7-yard outs and 10-yard outs open the entire time. So where do you think Zach Wilson can throw the ball? Granted, Zach Wilson should be able to audible out of that but i think they've put boundaries and blinders Mm -hmm. on him to just manage a game and he's actually playing pretty decent football and they're holding him back and it's a shame because they have they should have won at least two of these games that he's been starting but i love zach wilson tony you're gonna love zach wilson just same way you didn't love jared goff and now you love jared goff you're nobody till somebody loves you you love you some jared goff you're gonna be wearing a jersey at the end (laughs) of the year picking winners you're nobody till somebody loves you by dean martin For Tony, I'm Nate. This is Taco Corp episode 116, week 10 recap in the books. Love you, bye. Love you, bye.